Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good summer Monday morning, Eagles fans. How are you? We hope well. You got your boys, Mac and Mac, here on Bird Street 65 as the countdown continues. Johnny Mac, 15 days until the Eagles first report back from camp. They'll have their first activity the day after. You got your car up and running and ready to get across the uh, bench. Oh, why are you bringing that up? Man, no no flat tires, you sure? Uh, You're going to jinx it, man. You never bring that kind of stuff up. Yeah, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen on that day. That's, uh, yeah. Are you... Are you an overly superstitious guy? Do you believe in jinxing? No, I don't believe in superstition at all. Uh, But yet you're going to give me a hard time because I bring up the fact that you're going to get a flat tire on first day of Eagles camp. Yeah, I'm just going to give you it. That's happened before, by the way. No, I do not believe in uh, superstition. Yes. I I minimally do. Every once in a while, it's just a little too great for me to completely dismiss, but I'm not a big superstition fan. Well, you know, a lot of fans say when you say something good and say, oh, you're jinxing them. No, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. I have no control over the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, So, yeah, for the most. But I like to give people a hard time occasionally, as you know. I had... uh... Ben Wagner on the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on my uh, CBS Sports Radio show this weekend. And we booked him to basically talk about the fact that the Blue Jays were playing well and had moved into second place or third place in their division into a playoff spot in the American League. And then they go out and get no hit that day. We had already <laughs> booked them ahead of time and they get a combined no hitter thrown out by the uh, Detroit Tigers. So I asked them, how do you handle it? Do you not mention it's a no hitter? He said, Joey. It's my job to tell the people what they're doing. 
of course I mentioned it was a no-hitter. I, I don't believe in jinxes or superstitions or anything else. And I certainly concur with that. Your job is to call a game, not uh, worry about what fans think. But we kind of worry about what fans think and what fans would think of coming into this upcoming season where the expectations are certainly higher than they were going into last season. A lot of work the Eagles have to do, and it'll get done by their coaching staff and their players if they're to get back to the Super Bowl. And speaking of their players, Ed Gratz and John McMullen have been putting together a top 25 list of best Eagle players. Some people have done the list as most important Eagle players. Not exactly the same our two SI guys have done. And three new additions. We're getting close, Johnny Mac. Tomorrow we'll crack the top five. You got six, seven, and eight today. Uh, we left off at number nine with Darius Slay on your list. At number eight, Josh Sweat, who I think you like to say is one of the more underranked players on the Philadelphia Eagles. That's not disrespected. Number eight, that's pretty high rating for Josh Sweat, but I have him right in the same area. Uh, Dallas Goddard at number seven and Devontae Smith at number six. Slay into Sweat into Goddard into Smith. Give us the combined thinking of you and Ed Kratz as to how you came up with those guys at those spots. Well, we were exactly the same on Josh Sweat. We both had him number eight, so he ended up number eight, obviously. So uh, we're pretty concrete. As I mentioned, eight, nine, which is pretty amazing. Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, which was Josh Sweat, Darius Slade, Jordan Mylotta, Landon Dickerson, James Bradbury. We're exactly the same. Which is which blew my mind uh, that we we were exactly the same on on those particular players. We had two dead ties, two dead ties that Jody McDonald broke, and one of them was at number six. I had Dallas Goddard one spot ahead of Devonte Smith. Ed Kratz had had Devonte one spot ahead of Dallas Goddard, and you had Devonte Smith uh, uh, on your list rated above Dallas Goddard. So DeMonte uh, gets that razor sharp sort of nod over Dallas Goddard. And they're both really good players. I'm not going to hand ring about that. Um, I I think Dallas is a little bit farther along, but he got hurt. And DeMonte, who knows where DeMonte could go. He's so young in his career and how high he could go on not only this list, but – a list of best receivers in football. Problem is, we haven't gotten one name who's still to come. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's tough to have two top five receivers on one team, but who knows? You know, you never know. Um, but, yeah, that's sort of where it was. We're right in the wheelhouse. I mean, again, Goddard and Smith, we were just – mirrors of each other uh and sweat exactly the same uh so that's where we are in the list the top five you can pretty much um ascertain who's in that group which i think is the correct top five um you know some people i guarantee are going to argue with how it ended up um just because of the nature of a certain position but uh um you know, this is a really good team. But one thing I noticed doing this, Jody, the offense is better than the defense. Offense a little better than the defense. Yeah, I I, I would tend to agree. And as you say, there you can probably figure out 
who the top five are right now. I uh, gave, We've been giving you, John, and Ed's list, uh, counting down from like six. Let's go down to 14. Well, we had this past week. Smith at six, Goddard at seven, Josh Sweat at eight, Darius Slay at nine, Mylotta at 10, uh, Landon Dickerson 11, Bradbury 12, BG 13, Avante Maddox 14. There's a bunch of defensive guys in there. That means there's going to be offensive guys left at the top of the list. Mine was a little bit different. I had Cox higher than you. You weren't uh, uh, willing. Where do you have Cox? You had Cox 15. 15. I had him 14. 15. Oh, it was Carter. I had Jalen Carter at 13. Higher than you said. Can't put a rookie as high as uh, maybe you would like to because you're a huge Carter guy and believe he's going to have a very impressive uh, rookie year. I'm banking on that, and I showed that via my ratings. I got her down. I only had him at 12 because – I think the outside guys will get more passes than the uh, tight end will. Uh, Slade 11, I had lower than you guys. You had him higher. Dickerson, I had Sweat 9. You had him 8. I had my lot of higher. I had him 8. And uh, Smith 9. I had Bradbury very high. You guys had Bradbury down at number 12. I had him at number 6. I think he had a better year than Slay. And, yes, the defense is going to need to be able to make plays somewhere. Getting to the quarterback will be one, and stopping the throws downfield will be the other. And I got Bradbury ranked ahead of slight. So I had him in my top, top six. Um, if I were to give you, and I'm going to try and do this on the fly as best I can, in alphabetical order, five guys who I haven't gotten to on my list and five guys who John hasn't gotten to his list with uh, Ed Kratz, in alphabetical order, it would be A.J., um, Jalen Lane, okay, before L, Kelsey Lane and Reddick. Those would be the five players that uh, I have in my top five in alphabetical order. Those are your five players you got left. Um, well, yeah, I mean, yes, uh, obviously, they're not going to be not on the top 25 list. That's a pretty good group. You mean you mean you got you for, somehow force fed Reddick onto your uh, list there, yeah. huh, John? Well, and and foreshadowing, there's you know, it's not foreshadowing. I mean, you just said it. That's the only defensive player left, so that's the top defensive player on this team, and I think rightfully so. I mean, he oh, was yeah. fourth in uh, defensive player of the year voting, um, nineteen and a half sacks. If you want to add into the playoffs. Six force bump. I mean, he was everything. The pressure numbers, the hurry numbers. He was everything and more the Eagles could have hoped for um, when they signed him uh, as a free agent. Um, quickly is now underpaid. You know, if you think about Howie Roseman's offseason, two of the top five players on this team were acquired last offseason, one in free agency, one on the trade market. And as good as this team is, um, that's a hell of an offseason. So when people talk about how he's offseason this year, which looks good on paper, it's going to have a real difficult time living up to last year because, I mean, Reddick and Brown right there. Bang, bang. And, oh, by the way, uh, <clears throat> from time to time I get calls like this uh, when I'm doing radio shows. <clears throat> and, and they don't have homegrown players. Too many of their players, like <laughs> with the Phillies over the weekend, the Phillies all-stars are not homegrown. Aaron Nola is the only one in the last decade. I don't care. Do you yeah. care how the player 
joins the organization, if they show up and they show out and they play great, who the hell cares how they were acquired? Eagles had to give up a first-round pick to get their hands on A.J. Smith. So maybe they kept the first round and maybe became a star. No, you needed a star immediately, and you got it in A.J. Brown. There's a reason for it. It doesn't lessen the player just because they didn't call out his name on draft night no. and or sign him. And the Eagles have plenty of homegrown players. If you look at the our top 10, the players we've already gotten to, Milata's homegrown, Sweat's homegrown, uh, Goddard's homegrown, Devontae's homegrown. And then you talk about the five we haven't gotten to, the only one who isn't uh, home, uh, two aren't home, two, the two I just talked about. So the other three are homegrown. So, I mean, most of the top 10 is, yeah, that's more of a baseball thing. I do hear it more in baseball. And it's like, who cares? I mean, I think it was always jealousy towards the teams that had a, a, a lot of money, like the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and they just buy players. And you got to go about it. It's an uncapped world there. So certain teams have to go about it a different way. And it becomes, I think, more important. Um, but the draft is important. And the Eagles, that's, you know, that's 70% of the top 10 draft. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about how the Eagles went about getting the players. Uh, but you know who the top five are? The question is what order they will be in. We'll reveal them one day at a time over the next five days um, with the Eagles' top 25 players. That's what this season is. We're counting it down. We are now just 15 days away from the Eagles reporting to camp and getting the 2023 season underway. Yeah, in the meantime, we'll just continue to analyze, if not overanalyze, the moves that have made, the roster strengths, how it's going to play out this year. Relatively new coaching staff when you change out two coordinators like the Eagles did this year. Yeah, that's a pretty good change to your coaching staff. Uh, we talk about it day in and day out here on Bird Street 65, and we try and get guys whose opinions we appreciate and think are pretty well-educated on the birds on a day-in, day-out basis as far as guests go. We've done that again today. You should recognize the name. You'll recognize the face when he joins us. Longtime Eagle Beat guy and now creator of the Eagles, I-G-G-L-E-S, Blitz.com. Uh, Tommy Lawler is going to jump in with us. Uh, McMullen and McDonald, you got it right here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit the greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Mac, McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365. We're lucky enough to get Tommy Lola, longtime Eagle Beat guy and creator of EaglesBlitz.com, to jump on with us for a couple of minutes here today. Tommy, yeah, I saw a couple of your posts of late. You're kind of like us. Got to come up with things to talk about during the offseason when there's no actual on-field activity to get done. What right now do you think is the Eagles have to focus on as soon as they show? First day of camp. What is the most important thing? Probably not on field because they're not going to do a hell of a lot. The Eagles don't always do a hell of a lot. But mindset-wise, what's the first thing that you have, you believe has to be put in place when the 2023 season opens up? Put last year in the rearview mirror, right? The Super Bowl and that great season, that was all nice, but that's history. You need to see – you need to focus on what's in front of you. And we know Nick Sirianni always really preaches one game at a time – focus on winning the day, getting one one bit, bit better each day. And that mentality is part of what helped them have so much success last year. It's it's really challenging to do that coming off a of Super Bowl. If you go back to 2005, the Eagles have made the Super Bowl in 04, loaded with star players. And a lot of those players talked about the fact, like in the secondary, you know, Lito Shepard had a terrible season. Well, he was all he couldn't get his mind off the fact he had been so good in 2004. So he lost that edge that helped make him so good, played sloppy. Michael Lewis, the safety, had made the Pro Bowl in 2004. 2005, he was a bad player. He was all he could do was think about how good he had been the year before. You can't think about the past, you've got to focus on the present and the future. So the challenge will be for Nick Sirianni and the veteran leaders to get those guys to stay focused on, on that kind of stuff. Yeah, and you had mentioned uh, at your latest at uh, eaglesblitz.com, Tommy, that uh, it feels like the current Eagles team has a better chance of sustaining success than the 2017 team. I kind of agree with you, but interested uh, to hear your thoughts as to why you think they have a better opportunity than that 2017 team. 
Well, you know, when, when Doug Peterson talked about the new norm back in, in February of 2018 and, and how he wanted to be playing games in January and February and compete for championships, I kind of bought into that idea. And we had just seen Nick Foles have a sensational playoff. Carson Wentz was on pace to be the NFL MVP. So we thought Wentz was going to continue that. And then we saw guys like Corey Clement play out of his mind in the Super Bowl. You go, oh, wow. Imagine if he could play like that for a whole year. You know, what a weapon he'd be. We had all these things that look great, but in retrospect, they were kind of anomalies. Carson Wentz never played that well again. Nick Foles never played that well again. Corey Clement never played that well again. And so what you saw, that was kind of that, that, that playoff run. The team was great all year. That playoff run was really special. And the guys who, who played like that were not like proven star players who had, had a, a background of that. And so getting them to, to live up to those levels, it just didn't happen. And so with the current team, I think you look at A.J. Brown. He was one of the best receivers in football when the Eagles got him. Devontae Smith was a top 10 pick or top 12 pick, whatever he was. He was, you know, he won the freaking Heisman Trophy in college. Uh, Hassan Reddick was a double-digit sack guy the previous two seasons. So he came to Philadelphia and did more of the same. So guys don't have to do something special. They just have to play up to their ability. And then it's up to the coaching staff to give them the right structure and to fill holes here and there and that kind of thing. But the talent is there, whereas the the 2017 team felt like a, a few things went right that just – you know, in retrospect, weren't uh, sustainable. Tommy, I think one of the more debatable positions on the Philadelphia Eagles, not as to whether it's going to be good enough, because I think it is, but how they're going to be deployed, how they're going to be used is running back. Last year, coming into the season, you knew Miles Sanders was going to be the lead guy. And Miles had a damn good season. Uh, Wasn't as good in the postseason. Maybe an injury uh, contributed to that. Um, but didn't didn't finish the year in postseason the way he had gone all year long. No longer here. They added Rashad Penny. They added DeAndre Swift to uh, Kenny Gainwell coming back from Boston. Scott coming back. How do you think the Eagles are going to determine who gets the ball on any given week with the guys they have in the running back room right now? I, I would assume they're kind of going to kind of go going to go with a hot hand type thing. Uh, if you look at uh, Penny and Swift, they combined for eight years of NFL experience. Those two players have combined for three games of 20 carries or more, right? They are not used to being a workhorse. So having both of them play and get 10 to 12 carries, it really makes sense. And one one game, you might have a guy who gets 12 carries, the other guy gets six, and then you mix in Gainwell and possibly Boston Scott. And you're going to kind of go with who's the better fit for the game plan that day. I think Penny is the probably the more talented player overall. He averages 5.7 yards a carry for his career. That's nothing to sneeze at. Even though he's been injured, that's still impressive. Uh, and he his downhill physical running style with the burst he's got to deliver plays, I think Nick Sirianni is going to love that. And I think they'll go with him. Swift is the better receiver and the more complete back. They'll mix him in. And, of course, we saw with last year in the playoffs, they, they like Kenny Gainwell. They'd love to get him touches, but you just I don't think they're quite at a point where they think he's ready to be the guy. So they're going to really mix it up and go running back by committee unless somebody just plays phenomenal and is so good that you have to give that guy the ball. Um, I want to give you my Anthony Harris theory when it comes to Rashad Penny, Tommy, and, and see what you think of that. Um on I think it was August 30th when 
the Eagles traded for C.J. Gardner-Johnson. On August 29th, um, Anthony Harris was the number one safety on this team. On August 30th, he was down to number five and off the 53-man roster um, because he can't help on special teams. He can't fit into that role, and all of a sudden things shifted to him that quickly. It's not going to be the exact same potentially with Rashad Penny because I don't expect the Eagles to go out and trade for a running back or even bring somebody new in. But my point is, if he's not the lead back, or if he's not at least the co-lead back, whatever terminology you want to use, he's not going to make this football team, is he? Because he's not going to help on third downs. He's not going to help in hurry-ups. He's not going to help in special teams like guys like Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott. Then you throw in Trey Sermon, who Nick Sirianni keeps bringing up uh, unprompted, and he could be at least around for a little bit of time. Whereas if you go with Penny, here's the second part of it. If he hits a home run and is tremendous, he's going to cost too much money. The Eagles aren't going to sign him. If he plays poorly, they're not going to want to sign him sign him so he's a one-year guy anyway is there a possibility if he has a bad summer yeah out of here if he has a bad summer i absolutely agree uh the harris comparison is interesting the one difference there i'm not 100 percent sure but harris i think might have been an undrafted player and harris he was had, undrafted but and, and he had one breakout year when he had six rate interceptions for minnesota was not an above average starter throughout his career in minnesota uh, you look at Penny, he was the number 27 pick in the draft, was a star in college, and has kind of special ability. The big problem with him, he hasn't been healthy. So with uh, with Harris, if he wasn't going to be like in a specific role, there wasn't really a need to keep him beyond the fact that he was experienced. With Penny, there's talent there. So the comparison does make some sense in the fact that if, if, if Penny isn't going to be a key player for you, then as, a, as just a, a role player – there's not much there, but I will say if you look at it a couple of years ago, you had Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard as a one-two punch. Jordan Howard wasn't playing on special teams, and they kept him, and he was, a, a, again, a veteran who I think was on a, the final year of his contract, if not a one-year deal. So I think keeping Penny and Swift is likely, unless one of them struggles, and if they struggle, you're absolutely right. They're going to be on a short leash because that's a replaceable position. And we know Trey Sermon's going to Canton. It's just a question of when he gets on the field, right? Uh, well, when he gets on the field, the coach will sing his praises. We're pretty sure about that. Um, well, Follow-up running back question, because Johnny and I have debated this plenty during the offseason, and specifically with the one addition Eagles made at running back. Uh, see if you're in the same camp we are. DeAndre Swift brings pass-catching ability out of the backfield. He's been one of the best receiving backs in the NFL the last several seasons in Detroit. Do you think that will change the Eagles' way of running their offense? That because they've got another skilled guy at it, and we believe Gainwell's not bad at it, that they will throw the ball to the backs coming out of the backfield more than they did last year by a significant number? A significant no, not at all. I, I don't think you're going to reshape the offense. Obviously, if you go back with Sirianni, you know Austin Eckler played well for him years ago. Uh, he's he's had success with with throwing to the the ball to running backs. But the way this offense has currently evolved, uh, you, you know, you have downfield threats, 
and then you have the run game. And the way it really works right now, you just don't need to feed the ball to the running backs. Uh, and I, I don't know that that really would be a strength for, for Jalen Hurts. I think he's better on intermediate and deep throws than he's going to be throwing balls into the flat. So I would expect them to continue to feature the wide receivers to get the ball to Dallas Goddard and to mix in the running backs here and there. Hopefully they'll be a little bit better than they were the last couple of years because it is a valuable weapon to be able to get the, the ball to a running back in space beyond just a handoff makes the defense, you know, cover something else. So they, they need to do it more because we know Nick Sirianni has that theory. Don't ever be last in the NFL on something and catches by a running back. You know, they, they obviously need to do a better job, but they don't need to go significantly more. Yeah. I'm surprised how many people bring that up, Tommy. I, I get the health part of it. You want to take some of the load off Jalen Hurts. If Phillip Rivers were Nick Sirianni's quarterback, Kenny Gainwell would have caught 65 passes last year. I mean, that yeah, that's the style of the quarterback, and that's which I think is a positive for Nick. He understands that, and he sort of morphs around the quarterback. With Jalen Hurts, he's going to get more than dumping it off to the back when he extends plays or runs it himself. So there's no need to dump it off to the back. But I think you're right. Now that they have Swift, and and to a lesser degree, Gainwell getting a little bit better, hopefully. Um, now they can manufacture touches for the running back. I always bring up those bubble screens. It'd be nice to have DeAndre Swift catching that instead of saying Quez Watkins, because he can break that first tackle and make something out of it. I think that's where it's important. The Eagles can now... Oh, I still want to get the ball in the hands of AJ and Devontae and Dallas Goddard before I want to, you know, throw a bubble screen. But we know how this team works. And if they have the advantage and they say, oh, numbers say throw it outside, they're going to throw it outside. And if that's DeAndre Swift instead of a receiver, I'll, I'll put AJ off to the side because he's so powerful. But he can break that first tackle and turn those – ugly bubble screens into something, at least on paper. Yeah. You know, listen, I've always said that, you know, sometimes there's an over-focus on the running game. And if you really talk about what you want is touches by your running backs. So as we all know, back in the Andy Reid era, it wasn't runs, right? You know, Brian yeah. Westbrook was carrying 175 times a year when we might want him to carry 250. Uh, but they made sure to get him 80, 90 catches. And so you, when you look to total touches, it was reasonable. Well, Nick Sirianni is willing to feed the, the, the running backs the ball as runners, so they don't have to, to give him as many touches as a receiver. But you're absolutely right. You want running backs to get the ball in space because they know how to make plays. They can make a guy miss. They can break a tackle. They're used to, to having to do that. And so get them into space where they only have one or two defenders to, to make miss, and that's when you have a chance for a big play. So I absolutely agree. And as we talk about Nick Sirianni, it's a real credit to him that his offense has evolved. Think about our, our good friends down in Dallas with Mike McCarthy. He just fired Kellen Moore because he wants to go back to more of the offense he ran in Green Bay 10 years ago. Well, Nick Sirianni, what does he do? He comes in here and he's coached Phillip Rivers and he's coached about 27 different quarterbacks with the Colts. And uh, he comes in here and he, he's Jalen Hurts, who's unlike anybody he's ever coached. He builds the he starts the offense one way, and then the middle of, of the 2021 season changes it, and it's evolved since then. And he really 
He's taking advantage of the talent he has and also what the rules of the NFL are today and what works in the NFL today. He's not caught in the past the way that Mike McCarthy seems to be. So that's a good sign of a coaching. Use your talent and involve your your offense and, and, and make sure that you get the most out of your players. Yeah, Andy Reid used to debunk the fact that he threw the ball too much by saying, well, I'm short passing to Westbrook or runs as far as I'm concerned. In his mind, they were the same as runs. You're just <laughs> throwing it slightly rather than handing it off. Andy looked at because everyone would always scream about the run-pass ratio. With John Runyon didn't agree with that, that's for sure. <laughs> True, a little, little different uh, expectations for the offensive lineman getting out there blocking in space. All right, here's the key question to the offense for me this upcoming offseason. Brian Johnson, we know he's got a great relationship, long-term relationship with Jalen Hurts and has been the quarterback coach here since Coach Sirianni showed up, but He's the guy who's going to be calling plays this year. Understand it's Sirianni's offense, and he create the plays all week long, building up to Sunday. But in that split second, got to make the decision, what are we going with here? It's going to be Brian Johnson. Both John and I believe Shane Steichen was outstanding at play calling last year. How much of a risk is it turning it over to someone else? Now, you didn't have a choice because Shane Steichen took the job as head coach of the Eagle, uh, the Colts. Brian Johnson, just a simple transition from Sir, uh, Steichen to Brian Johnson, or is Brian Johnson going to be under a microscope when this season opens up in his play-calling ability? Oh, he'll be under a micro- microscope for sure. Uh, you know, the Eagles fans, Eagles media, the NFL in general, because the Eagles' success last year, everybody's going to want to see what this offense does. And if there's any drop-off, they're going to say, well, they got Hurts back, they've got uh, A.J. back, they've got Devontae back. Who's the guy who's missing? It's the play caller. So he'll be under a lot of pressure. Uh, I think you, you had to promote from within if you felt like the guy was competent. Obviously, Brian Johnson has a great reputation in football right now. He had success in, at the college level. Uh, he did a great job tutoring uh, Jalen Hurts the last couple of years, getting him to play at an elite level. So everything points to him being ready for this job. Until you're the guy making those calls, there's there's some unknown, right? There's ab- It's absolutely fair to say that. So we'll see how he does. But uh, Sirianni, based on the way that he was developed as a coach, coaches his coaches, he likes to say. And I think that he's worked to get them ready for these opportunities, and he feels like Brian Johnson is ready for this opportunity. There will be some 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 good moments. There will be some bad moments. You know, there's probably going to be a couple of things he does better than Shane Steichen. There's going to be a few things he's not going to do as well. So it'll be interesting to see. And, and overall, I think the offense should, should continue to perform at a high level. But there there could be a, a, a few moments where uh, you really do find out you missed Steichen. Yeah, we brought up uh, 2017 and sort of sustaining that success. I mean, one of the things was losing Frank Reich and losing John Filippo, And because I, I, I don't want to compare Carson Wentz to Jalen Hurts because I, I think Jalen's completely different from a um, mindset. Uh, I, I, you know, I think he's tougher mentally. Uh, to put it nicely, uh, I think he's got a better work ethic, to put it nicely. Um, so I don't want to make that comparison, but I do want to make the comparison uh, from John DiPolippo to Press Taylor for this reason, Tommy. Um, 
John was called a kind of the hard ass um, that that kept Carson on task, and then Press Taylor was kind of his friend. And you know, nobody's denying Press Taylor's a good football coach. Well, some people did for a while, but now that he's recovered in Jacksonville, um, pretty clear he's on a nice path himself. But he's very close, almost and the Eagles would say a little bit too close to Carson Wentz from a friend perspective. I always compared it to good cop, bad cop. Like John was the bad cop and, and, and press was the good cop as the assistant quarterback coach. And then when he became the quarterback coach, can't change that. Now, Shane, for those who don't know, I'm I'm not going to call him a bad cop, like, but you know, he could be, I always say, can't get out of a conversation without with Shane Steichen without about 15 F-bombs, <laughs> which is hilarious to begin with. But now you have Brian Johnson, who's known Jalen Hurts since he was basically four years old. They're very close. In the case of Taylor, too close. Could too close be a problem to the quarterback? Because sometimes you got to be a bad cop that I make sense at the <laughs> No, all. totally. Yeah. And, 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 and finding the right fit is, is always a challenge. There's no question. Um, and, and you don't need guys to come in and kiss your butt and, and be nice and walk on eggshells around you. <clears throat> you've got to, you, you've got to have tough coaching. Sometimes we know Sirianni can be a tough coach. Uh, Brian Johnson, I think because of his background, you know, having been a, a played at Utah where they don't exactly pamper athletes, right? Uh, he's, he's played, or excuse me, he's coached in college. He had to grind his way up. So I think he's going to have a little bit more experience. I think he's going to have a little bit more of an edge to him than Press Taylor did. And part of the other thing is just age. He's a little bit older. So Press Taylor was so close to Carson age-wise, made things a little awkward, and, and Brian's a little bit older. Now, the, uh, the other thing is is you have a player in Jalen Hurts who wants to be coached hard, right? And so there's no – Brian Johnson doesn't have to hesitate thinking, hey, can I say this, should I say this? If it feels right, just say it because he knows the hardest coaching Jalen Hurts has ever gotten was from his dad. And obviously he's still super close to his dad. So he knows it's okay. You, you can let loose. You can be tough. And Jalen Hurts wants that. So I think the relationship's a little different. Carson, you know – Carson's such a complicated subject, man. I know. Sigmund Freud would have gone to work at McDonald's if he met Carson Wentz. (laughs) You know, trying to get inside that mind of his is is a challenge. But Carson wanted the appearance of being coached hard. But what he really wanted was people to tell him, hey, listen, you're the guy. You're the dude. We love you. You're awesome. And he he struggled, you know, when, when people were hard on him. And uh, so that was tough for him to take. And so with Jalen, you have a guy who's going to embrace criticism because he knows criticism is is how you get better. You can't correct what's gone right. You correct what's gone wrong. You need somebody to point out, hey, Jalen, your completion percentage in the inside the 10 yard line isn't good enough. We need to work on that. He doesn't want to hear, oh, hey, listen, you're great at quarterback sneaks. He wants to hear what's wrong because that's what you can fix. That's how you get better. So I think that'll 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 play in a, a part. But listen, that, that dynamic of coaches and, and emotions and personality. One of the things with the Dallas Cowboys that back in the 90s, <clears throat> they were so good. Troy Aikman loved being coached hard. 
and when Jimmy Johnson left, that he never got coached hard again. He he was a star quarterback. So anybody they brought in treated him like the star quarterback, and the team got softer because of that. He liked it when he played for Jimmy because Jimmy was hard on him, and the rest of the players said, "Well, if he's going to be that hard on this freaking star quarterback, you know he's going to be hard on me." The next guys who came in were more like sycophants, and so they said, ah, "That's Troy. We'll take care of Troy. We'll watch Troy." Well, then the team became soft, and as we know, they've not had a lot of playoff success since then. So you, you need a, 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 the right player and the right people around them, but you got to have tough coaching if you want the right results. All right, Tommy, here's my next question, and I'll entree into it by giving you uh, some stats. The Eagles' fifth leading tackler last year was who? If I tell you the top four were T.J. Edwards, Kaiser White, C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Marcus Epps, their two safeties and their two linebackers. Those are their top four tacklers. Who is number five? Javon Hargrave. Correct. Yet somehow, Javon Hargrave this year, as per PFF, a terrible run defender. Great at getting up the field. Great at getting sacks. Got 11 of them. He's their fifth leading tackler. So you're not only taking out a guy who got 11 sacks, but your fifth leading tacker, tackler and we just kind of brush over the fact that Javon Hargrave is not here anymore. I get it. They used a very high draft pick on a guy that both John and I like a lot and think is an uber talent who was underdrafted because of off-field incidents. Are we underrating how much the Eagles are going to miss Javon Hargrave? That's a tricky question. Uh, you know, let's talk about the sacks to start with. Uh, you know, he had which 11, 11 and a half sacks 11, last year. Yeah. So he and the previous two years, I think he combined for like 10 sacks. So that 11 sacks was an anomaly for him. He was not a guy that had played anywhere close to that level in the past. Um, so could he repeat that? Will he repeat that in San Francisco? That's a huge, huge thing. As a run defender, part of that is making plays to get in the ball. Part of that is with the Eagles and what they do is eating up gaps and being able to control two gaps Watch the Super Bowl. Javon Hargrave really struggled against the run. Chiefs ran for 158 yards in the Super Bowl. Hargrave's run defense was not good. So there's no question that they can improve on the run defense. Now, he did make plays. He did shoot gaps. He is a, a good player. There's no question about it. Uh, he just wasn't perfect for what the Eagles wanted. He, you know? he made almost 20 more tackles than Fletcher Cox. And Cox gets more snaps than Javon last year. They're probably pretty damn close, but I would bet that uh, Fletcher played more downs than Javon. So if uh, he wasn't good against the job, I'm not sure how Fletcher didn't get those openings that uh, you're describing for Javon if there was double teams on a guy like Davis in the middle of the line. Yeah, well, tackles can be deceiving. You know, you can make a tackle coming from the backside because the, the, the guy on the front side is reading the run and controlling both gaps. The running back has to stall where he's going. The guy from the backside chases it down. It all gets complicated. It, there's no question about it. Javon Hargrave was a, a fantastic player for the Eagles last year. The, the, again, the weakness, if you said, oh, there's a weakness, it was his run defense. So the Eagles are going to have a chance to be better against the run, but will they be as productive as pass rushers? Uh, and that's they're, they're probably not going to get 11 sacks out of a defensive tackle this season. So, you know, there's a little bit of a drop-off there in one area, but you might be better in the other area. And with the amount of pass rushers they have, it actually might benefit them to be better as a, have a better run defender at that spot and then let the edge rushers have an extra half second to get to the quarterback. So, 
I mean, I'd out. rather I'd rather have fifty, say fifty-five sacks and better run defense than seventy sacks. Um, I don't know how the fans might think about that because uh, <laughs> they want sack, sack, sack. But um, yeah, I mean, this the team's got to get better want, against the run. The fans want the eighty-five Bears, where you have you know seventy sacks and a number one run defense, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what they want. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> eighty-five Bears, a little bit of an anomaly there. So yeah, and yeah, Jay Bond's a really good player, but absolutely. you also have to add in. 21 million a year now is he a 21 million dollar player uh, i don't know i think the eagles made the right decision as you mentioned tommy it, despite having the worst coordinator in the history of mankind a lot of guys had career seasons Shavon's one of them right um and and we call them career seasons for a reason sometimes you keep ascending as jalen hurts has proven on the offensive side at least to this point but typically, career year means career year, and that means the next year, it's not going to look like your football card. Who said that last week? Baseball card, Jody. But, you know, typically, you are what you are on the back of the football card. Javon's not going to get 11-11-11. He's not Aaron Donald. Right. So I think the Eagles made the right decision. But then again, I'm looking at Jalen Carter, and it might not be right away. But Jalen Carter's more talented. Jalen Carter's got a chance to be a much better player. And I'm using that word purposefully. A much better player than Javon Hargrave. And Javon Hargrave's a really good player. That's how much upside I think Jalen Carter has. No, totally agree. He's he's a special special dude. I mean, you saw it last year, 2021. Georgia had one of the best defenses in the history of college football, loaded with all kinds of stars, and their best player was a sophomore defensive tackle. It was Jalen Carter. You know, everybody would just go, you know, uh, you're sitting there, you're watching uh, all the prospects they have, and the one dude that was the best was 88. You didn't. Yeah. He was just so young, you didn't even learn his name. You just yeah. said, well, wait till next year, we'll see what <laughs> 88 does. Yeah. And then last year, you know, he had a, a fantastic year. And uh, uh, you could see he's, his combination of – agility explosiveness strength skill athleticism i mean he's got it all he he has the potential to be a special player if he can stay focused if he can stay driven uh and i think you know he's on the right team with the teammates he's got here the coaching staff the fact he's coming into a winning culture he's used to winning in college i think some guys hit the nfl and if they go to a bad team and they've come from a good program you get a couple of losses and they just don't know how to handle that. And they kind of lose themselves. And he'll, he's coming to the Eagles where the expectation is championship football. He's, he came from Georgia where the expectation is championship football. So everything is, is in place for him to, to be his best, but NFL history is, is full of, of guys that didn't, you know, had good circumstances didn't pan yeah. out. So we'll see what happens. But you know, if he turns out to be the player, the Eagles think, yeah, he's going to be special. Tommy, need you to look into your crystal ball for me a little bit here, make a prediction on playing time at a specific position for the Eagles. I think we all believe N'Kobe Dean is going to be their number one linebacker. He's got the green dot. He's going to be on the field much more than anybody else. But when they've got two linebackers on the field, 
Didn't the NFL used to play with three linebackers? <laughs> Not only, but, uh, uh, too many people think they still do, Jody. Yeah. Too many people. <laughs> oh, four, three, three, four. Yeah. Uh, right. Drives me nuts. Uh, so when the Eagles actually have two linebackers on the field, the guy after Nicobe Dean to get the most snaps will be either Nicholas Morrow, someone else as a linebacker who is right now on the Eagles roster, or someone on another team that Howie Roseman will acquire some way, shape, or form, uh, released, traded for, acquired. Who will be the number two linebacker on the Philadelphia Eagles this year, A, B, or C? I think it's going to be somebody that's already on the roster. Uh, trading for somebody, you know, listen, it's possible. You know, Howie's always looking. But the NFL just isn't filled with great linebackers right now. And I don't know that there's anybody out there that they want to go make a move to, to bring in and then have to give up resources to get him and figure out how he fits in and this and that. Uh, I think they're, they're going to try to stick with the guys they've got. They, they'd love to see uh, Nick Morrow become a functional starter for them or Christian Ellis, you know, is the guy that they, they probably would love because he's younger and even cheaper than Morrow uh, to have him pan out. But um, I think they're going to give those guys every chance in the world to make it. If they do struggle, then, then uh, obviously, uh, how he's willing to go make a move early in, in a preseason, in the middle of the season. But I, my guess is they're going to stick with the guys they have. At Lawler NFL, make sure you follow Tommy on Twitter. You know, since um, last one for me, Tommy, since Jody went down the Nicobe route, I'll finish there. I saw you got a, a you you retweeted a great picture of. <clears throat> or put it at eaglesblitz.com, a Bill Berge playing middle linebacker. And I liked your description, you know, 6'4", 243, four-time All-Pro, even had the perfect base mask. Bill Berge looked like a middle linebacker. And you said, if Nicobe Dean is anywhere close as to good a career as Berge did, we should all be happy. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Dean has changed, though. Nicobe oh, yeah. ain't Bill Berge. He ain't six three two forty three. He ain't, <laughs> no, he ain't sir. coming downhill. Um, are we putting too much on the shoulders of a guy who played thirty four snaps last season? Is undersized. Then again, maybe I should learn from Devontae Smith and Hassan Reddick because they're undersized and they right. did just fine. Um, where are you on Nicobe Dean? Are you? No doubt about it, or let's wait and see. I have doubts. Um, I, I, I'm, I think I, I love the, his mentality. He's smart. He's got good instincts. Uh, obviously, fantastic production in Georgia. But the fact that he's a little undersized and he's not a great athlete, that gives him two things to overcome. So there's a little bit of doubt. There's a little bit of hesitation with him. Uh, but linebacker is a position where instincts are critical he's got the instincts so i think that gives him every chance to succeed and he seems like a very driven dude you know and again that's the linebacker is a position where that kind of stuff matters and so uh i think he's gonna pan out how good he's gonna be is he gonna become a star linebacker i don't know about that i don't think this guy's gonna be fred warner right but he doesn't have to be if he can just be a solid middle linebacker for the Eagles for the next five, six, seven years, 
that's fine. That's what they need. They don't need star linebackers. You know, it'd be great if he did become one. What they need are, you know, pass rushers, run stuffers. The linebackers make tackles, make the occasional play, and that that's fine in this defense. So um, I think he's going to be good, but it's fair to question him. He's not a slam dunk, like can't miss type guy. I don't think he needs to be the next Fred Warner. He needs to be the next C.J. Edwards. And although they're different type of players, I think N'Kobe's got a chance to be a better playmaker at linebacker than T.J. Edwards. T.J. may, may be the better force, stop the guy, dead uh, tackle. He's two yards off the line of scrimmage. He's down at two yards off the line of scrimmage. I think he'll be – I don't know that uh, N'Kobe will be able to do that as well as uh, Edwards, but I think he's got a chance to be every bit as, an, uh, as good an overall linebacker as Edwards this upcoming season. Tommy, we always appreciate it when you jump on board with us. You got any vacation plans between now and uh, 12 days from now when the Eagles get camp open? You got to hurry up. Fishing in or something between now and then. Just sit around listening to you guys. I mean, that's a vacation, right? Uh, uh, We appreciate it. You need to to upgrade your life there, big guy. Uh, Tommy, good stuff. Always a pleasure, bud. We'll call you in a couple of weeks when camp gets opened up. Thanks, bud. Sounds awesome. You guys take care. Thanks, Tommy Lolo. Check out his website, Eagles. That's I G G L E S Blitz.com. Yeah, I saw that picture of Bergie. You, you know, I did the Eagles pregame show on their radio network. For yeah, yeah, with yeah. Bergie, right? Yeah. I, I did that show in fear basically every single week because I thought Bergie was going to get a little overly excited. And then I was just going to catch an elbow in the face because I had to sit next to him every single week. I thought I was going down and going down hard. Uh, good dude, and uh, yeah, just a maniac who uh, was very good for the Philadelphia Eagles. Nicobe Dean standing next to uh, Bill Berger. You you think they play the yeah. same position? The- uh, yeah. Well, now you could say that about Seth, right? Everybody's uh, intimidated by Seth uh, on the pre and post game show. Um, nicest guy in the world, though. You know, but uh, you know he's a big dude. Uh, Seth's a big dude. Yeah linebackers have changed but you know and that's why i bring up i try to stay ahead i think for my age i'm pretty forward thinking uh when it comes to the evolution of the nfl Devontae smith has proven a lot of things to me hassan reddick has proven a lot of things to me and the game has changed drastically and it's not important to have a bill Berge anymore in fact it might be a detriment uh, as as crazy as that is to say, and that's not a criticism of Bill Berge. It's just an indication of how the game has changed. We talked about seven on seven, Shody, last week when mm-hmm. I was talking about the high school kid. It's what it's about. It's about movement. It's about athleticism, and you know, probably what Tommy brought up. Nicobe's not the greatest athlete either. That's probably a bigger concern for me now than the size aspect of it. I'm I'm buying into the kid because he's just a flat out player. Because uh, he runs one tenth of a second slower in a forty yard dash. Do I think that's going to make him a lesser player? No. Do I think because he's ten pounds lighter than what linebackers are who were Pro Bowl players last year? No. I think he's going to be able to play because he can play. That's my uh, read on that. And I think linebacker size. Just ain't what it used to be. Now, there is one position where I think size still matters. And if anything, it's actually advanced rather than most of the NFL is smaller than it used to be because it's become a more athletic game and a less physical game. 
How is it less physical? Well, that's the way they write the rules. That that sometimes physicality can end up pay. You got to pay a price for it rather than benefit from it. Oh, in the trenches, you still got to be big. And uh, I do want to come back to talk about uh, offensive line masterminds, which took place this weekend down in uh, Frisco, Texas, led by homegrown star Lane Johnson. Uh, been a big part of that. And what it actually means in the NFL that the players now have to coach themselves up as much as the teams have to coach the players up because of collective bargaining agreements and the like. We'll talk a little bit about that when we come back. He's McMullen. I'm McDonald. Mac and Mac on Birds 365. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We would be Mac and Mac here on Birds 365, hour number two. Thank Tommy Lawler for jumping in. Hour number one from EaglesBlitz.com. 
Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com is going to uh, join us coming up in about 20 minutes from now. Uh, NFL writer, Eagles writer for CBSSports.com. All right, J-Mac, I was lucky enough to have Brian Baldinger on my CBS show last night. And I didn't even know Baldy uh, was going there when I asked the question. I just said, what are NFL guys doing this way? You're a former player. Two weeks before you got to show up, you're worried about conditioning, but you were also taking some downtime. You're studying your playbook. What are you doing two weeks from now? He said, Jody, funny you asked. I spent the last couple of days in Frisco, Texas at O-Line's Masterminds, uh, which Lane Johnson is a big part of, one of the founding fathers. And you got a bunch of these that happened during the NFL offseason. Positional groups getting together. Guys in the NFL, they invite some good young college players to come there so they can just network and exchange some ideas and uh, join, have some fun, uh, kind of set some bonds together and the like. And it dawned on me that, you know, like teams should be doing this, Not, not players doing this, that teams should be behind this in the driving force. And it's all player driven that this is done by guys in the league or guys like Brian Baldinger who used to be in the league and are still NFL media types. They all get together and have these quote unquote conferences. Is that a bad sign for the NFL that these guys are doing it on their own? Or is it a good sign for the NFL that the players care enough about advancing the game that they're going to take undertake this thing on their own? Um, I think it's a good sign for the players that, that engage i think it's a bad sign for the players that don't engage um from the league's perspective they're not allowed uh, the teams are not allowed to do it they prefer to do it well i shouldn't say that because the coaches would prefer to do it themselves um, but they can't have the players so um and the owners have said basically give us more games give us more games all right take away the offseason stuff we don't care about that so the owners are a little bit different than the coaches. Um, the coaches would prefer to have their hands on them, but they can't. So, you know, and to God, I can't get away from Carson Wentz. I mean, I think that's a big part of Carson Wentz's downfall, along with the injuries. Left to his own devices. I've talked about this. I've written about it during the pandemic. Didn't do anything. I'm not going to – now he's a high-level athlete. Of course, he was staying in shape. But when it came to the mechanics, when it came to working with Tom House, he didn't do it. He didn't do it, and he regressed. Um, the players that that actively seek opportunities to get better in the offseason, it's the only way you're going to become great in the modern NFL. Because if you just say, all right, Mini camps over, and the Eagles don't even have mini camps. So OTAs are over. I'll show up for training camp. Look, you might be phenomenally gifted enough to be, but you're not going to be at the top of your game um, because there are guys like Lane Johnson and offensive line masterminds is you know was born out of Von Miller's passing camp. It's like Von started his pass rushing camp before. And the offensive linemen are getting wrecked by this defensive linemen. They're like, we got to do something to Mm -hmm. keep up. And all of a sudden, this is born with Duke Manaweather and and Lane. Um, 
and it's become, I think there were 275 people down there. Um, it's become bigger and bigger each year. I think this was the sixth year they had it. Um, and tight end university, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, um, Greg Olson created that. Um, I mentioned Bond is probably the first, I believe. Uh, but then there's all these little, you know, Chuck Smith before he got back in the league uh, as a coach was a a pass rushing guru, former Falcons uh, defensive end for people that remember him. Uh, there's a lot of guys like that. Um, you know, Quincy Avery, who coached uh, Jalen Hurts for many years, and Deshaun Watson, um, and and certain quarterbacks. Uh, there's also that more personalized part of it as well, um, and it's been going on for years. And you have to do it because the coaches can't help you; they're not allowed. So if you want to be great, you got to figure that out and what you're going to do in the off season. And kudos to all the guys that are showing up and participating and hopefully learning and making themselves better player and also passing knowledge onto fellow players at the same position. Uh, good on them. You talked about the CBA, and I understand what you said, that they just can't. The teams can only do so much, and if they do more than that, somebody calls them on the carpet and they get their wrists slapped and they get fines and everything else. Has the players' union done a disservice to their own players? Right, yes. that's yes. where they continue to "quote unquote" win in the negotiations. They almost never seem to get more money. They just play more games, and the owners put more money in their pockets, and they get breadcrumbs. Um, but they continue to win on the less hours, less days, less work. Which hey. I'm the same as everybody else. Less is more when it comes to work. Everybody wants to do a little bit less and still get uh, paid. Yeah, that three-day week was nice. That three-day yeah, week was week, what? Thank you, Joe Krause. He gave us yeah. uh, both the fourth and the fifth off. Um, or oh, the third and the fourth off. Are they actually hurting the players? That they have to put together these gatherings, these conferences, and do it on their own? And again, tip of the hat to them for doing just that, but... Have, have they actually hurt the players by negotiating out practice time with the individual teams in the league? Yes. And I say yes, with, because I, I assume you're saying football-wise. Now, yeah. it depends what the end game is. Uh, football-wise, unquestionably, the answer is yes. Quality of life, maybe they're helping the players. Um, so it depends what your end game is. But as far as just getting better at football, They've done a tremendous disservice um, to two players. And look, I, I talk to people all the time in this league. And a lot of fans have a hard time with this, especially younger fans. Look, the athletes are better. The game is not better. The game is not better. And it, it just makes it, it just common sense. If, if you have this level of athlete practicing and doing things the same as a prior generation, well, they're going to get better because they're going to practice. Practice makes perfect. Now you got to bring in the health aspect of it. You got to bring in, uh, you're saving the bodies and all that part. 
but just from a fundamental technique standpoint, there's no argument. The game, and, and I use the word aesthetic, the game is not nearly as aesthetic as it once was. Just watch a Bill Walsh offense uh, versus the typical RPO offense in the modern NFL. It's on a different level. You can't run a Bill Walsh offense because you don't have enough time to practice a Bill Walsh offense. I, I had this debate with somebody, at, at, and I always bring up, and I've told you the story, the Penn State game. It was fourth and three or fourth and four. Big, big, big play against Ohio State. Jeff Kerr is going to be on the show. He'd remember it. I've talked to it with him. Everybody's going nuts. James Franklin runs an RPO. I think it was Trace McSorley at the time. Saquon might have been there, whatever. Uh, it blows up. Ohio State wins the game. All the Penn State fans are just obsessed. What the hell are you doing on the game on the line? They want, want them to pull the Bill Walsh masterpiece out of his ass on the biggest play of the game where he doesn't practice it all week. Right. Or all summer. Or all the, and you just want to, oh, well, here we need it. So just do it. It's not how it works. You run what you practice. And you can right. only practice this much. So everything has been simplified. It's uglier. But the athletes are better. And like you said, uh, with the whole conversation of seven on seven last week, it's a skills game now. You expect the trenches to be great. And the Eagles, God bless them, have been smart and kept their focus on the trenches and have one of the best defensive line, the unquestioned for me, best offensive line. So they have done what they've needed to do to keep the focus across the entire team. Football in general seems to be more focused on skill positions and ability to throw the football and speed and athleticism. But you gotta, you, you still got to keep the quarterback clean, which means you got to be good at the trenches or if you're looking at it from a defensive perspective, get the quarterback dirty, get him to the ground. And Eagles did that 70 times last year. Baldy told me, and I apologize for not remembering the coach, uh, what team, but he's the offensive line coach of an NFL team who was down at Offensive Masterminds uh, this weekend. He told Baldy between when camp opens up, and oh, by the way, a couple of teams in the NFL are opening in eight days. The Eagles are going an extra week. Shockingly, Eagles doing less. Um, so they don't open till the 25th, but other teams are opening uh, on the 18th next week. He said in the six weeks, uh, you've got seven weeks, excuse me, two full weeks in August if you're opening next week, plus all of September, uh, two in July, all of August, and into a week of September. You've got somewhere between seven and seven and a half weeks before the first game of the season. The offensive coach said, we have 12 padded practices. That's how many practices they have between first day of camp and first game of the regular season, 12 padded practices. Baldy told them that was my first week in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, yeah. That they did two a day, every day, one day yeah. off, yeah. do the math. That's 12 padded practices in their first week. In the NFL this year, you got seven to eight weeks between when camp opens up and the first game is played, 12 padded practices total. So the game has changed, John. I, I'm with you. Not necessarily for the better. Quality of life, 
less work uh, for getting paid the same thing. Understand all those things. But the actual quality of the game, when you're just putting less time into it, I can't believe it can get better. Can you? No, it can't. I mean, that's just common sense. I mean, the more you practice anything, you know, you're bringing up short weeks and everybody loves short weeks. Well, you know, repetition, right? The more you now a short week for you, Jody, because you have 15 jobs, you're on the air all the time. You get plenty of repetition. I need repetition, baby. I got to get, you know, you write enough I, columns, buddy. I know yeah. you, you, you can whip out a column in about 15 minutes yeah. with those fast fingers. Um, but I, I, I mean, anybody, the more you do something, the better you get at it. And it's always been that way. It, it, it will always be that way. Baldy's right. I mean, look, those days were long. I'm on the sidelines of two a days. And, you know, it, it, it's all, they were grueling. And again, from a quality of life standpoint, you've improved a lot as an NFL player. But there's no way you're getting better with less practice time. And that's, you know, that's another thing I've talked about with a lot of offensive coaches over the past five, 10 years. You know, one of the biggest cliches, and you'll hear it a hundred times, got to learn the playbook, especially with rookie players. Got to learn the playbook. Got to learn the playbook. Dirty little secret is they don't even teach plays anymore. They teach concepts. Right. In other words, you know, Jalen Hurts, here's the free safety. Boom. Here's where the ball goes. If that's not there, boom. That's where the ball, they teach concepts. Same thing defensively with these mixed zone coverages, mix and match. This is what you do here. This is what you do here. It's not the old, you know, John Gruden, uh, verbal, verbose. And and by the way, that's probably a good thing because those guys would, you know, make it difficult just to make it difficult. And that doesn't make sense either. But especially with younger quarterbacks, it's concepts. It's not plays, and the game has changed dramatically, dramatically. And that's one of the reasons why I think Devontae Smith is one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League. With less work, he runs such precise patterns and breaks it off exactly where it's supposed to be. So rather than the coach go and run it again and run it again and run it again, same practice. No, they're talking about the concepts in meetings but Jalen Hurts knows when he has to throw it to a spot that Devontae Smith is going to be there. And I'm sure you saw the story over the weekend. Devontae Smith ran Richard Sherman out of the NFL. The Sherman yeah. admitted that Curtis, it was uh, attempting yeah. to cover Devontae Smith in his final season in the NFL. Thought he had him played right. Thought he had him read right. Devontae made such a good move that he just popped his groin and made it through the rest of the game. But he said, yeah, I can't cover these young, fast wide receivers anymore. And a little feather in your cap if you're Devontae Smith that you ran Richard Sherman out of the National Yeah, Football yeah. I mean, Devontae's a great route runner. That's one thing. You know, you have to reach to be a great receiver in the NFL. You have to reach a certain floor from an athleticism standpoint. I mean, you, gotta, you, you need to be a certain level of athlete. But once you reach that floor – if you're a good route runner, you're going to be a good receiver and especially younger receivers. Cause a lot of younger receivers aren't good route runners and it takes them a while. But if you think about the Marvin Harrison's of the world, 
right now, what's Justin Jefferson known for is route running. Um, you know, if, if you go back, you know, you know, I get, uh, I, I always bring up digs, you know, so many, uh, uh, when I ask young receivers, so many say step on digs, watch step on digs route running. It is unbelievable. Um, if you're a good route runner, um, you're going to be a good, good NFL receiver. And Justin Jefferson forever will be a guy we'll talk about here in Philadelphia because they took a wide receiver right in front of Justin Not Jefferson. A good route didn't quite pan out to be the same player. You know what annoyed me more than that, John? And you're right about his strength as a route runner. I remember leading up to that draft, slot receiver trying to. To, to put him in this little disruption. Oh, but he's just a slot guy. He's a slot. You can't take him that high because he's a slot guy. He was a slot guy his senior year. People didn't go back and do the research. He played outside uh, the year before and made a ton of catches. In well, the I, you know, I don't know. He was a slot guy, but he surely showed, showed the ability to play outside previously in his uh, collegiate career. That was such a BS line. I don't know if it was more an Eagle thing or more of a Philly thing. I remember hearing it nationally as well. Justin Jefferson, only a slot receiver. Please stop and do your research. No, that wasn't only a Philly thing. That was pervasive throughout the, the NFL. Yeah, and it, was, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was more of, uh, I, I, I don't care what fans say. I mean, I, I was, you know, what the hell were the scouts thinking? You know, not not that that was my issue with that but from the eagles perspective the problem i have and i can't stand i can't stand i've told you this jody i can't stand manufactured touch players the eagles were looking for a manufactured touch player it, it, look some guys do it well kyle shanahan does it well right you can't just dismiss it because it's proved to work in the right hands yeah but the, the right hands are so few I, I, I got to cover Daryl Patterson. By the way, you know, you and I, I don't know if you remember, we had a drop down because Cordaro Patterson is a pet peeve of mine because he is a great, great football player. And I saw Damo, by the way, on the 3013, put him in his Hall of Fame. He was just part of it. Potential Hall of Famer as a special teamer. Probably not going to make it because they don't put in special teamers. But he is a great, great football player. Problem is, doesn't have a position. It's like the old recruiting athlete. They'll say, you know, when you if you go to high school recruits, some of them they will label athlete because they haven't figured out the position yet. If if Cordaro Patterson got with Kyle Shanahan right away, mm. he'd be even better. Probably. But he didn't. But he didn't. And so many of these guys maybe could be something and my problem is you have to be very very disciplined with manufactured touch players you have to you have to specifically say you have to get out your card and say i got to get him the football i got to get him the football i got to get him the football whether it's every 10 plays whatever but too many coaches aren't what do they do all right we're going to run this play it's not about getting somebody the ball in space Kyle's good at it. Who else is good at it? I don't know. Not many. So I don't want to hear it. I have tremendous respect for Doug Peterson. 
But I don't want to hear about you needing a manufactured touch player. It's never going to get the damn football. And I, I don't want to say Jalen Rager was going to be a good player because he wasn't uh, in hindsight. But I just don't like the mentality of taking manufactured touch players. I don't like it. No, and I think uh, Christian McCaffrey was a great manufactured touch guy in Carolina. Got even better in San Francisco, but I think it's more Well, you can just talent. give him the ball, though. You I was going to say it's yeah. more the talent yeah. of the player than yeah. it is the coaches and his ability to exactly diagnose and, and put a play together to make it work. All right, McMullen and McDonald, we got to get a timeout in here because I see Jeff Kerr's ready to rock and roll. From CBSSports.com, Jeff Kerr joins us next. Stay here. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, makes a smack of Mac Bird 365. We're lucky enough to get Jeff Kerr to join us on this Monday morning. 
Uh, JK, we reference this enough, so uh, we'll get to the football in a second. Your uh, hobby that you participate on, on the lanes, do you ever call it keggling? I never did. I love that word. I don't know why, but I love the word keggling as compared to bowling. I don't know why. I don't even know where I heard it. But I remember using that phrase when I was in freaking high school. It sounds and like I, bowling with uh, beer, like it, a keg of beer. Yeah, yeah, I think you just put out a stereotype of what we bowlers yeah. do, Jody. Yeah. Oh, I'm, no, I'm pointing the finger at myself, and I haven't bowled, I've bowled five times in the last 20 years. Uh, but uh, no, I, I used to keggle, and I call it keggling. If you are more serious than that, Jeff Carr, I apologize to you and I think you've proven that by saying you don't use the word keggling. If I went bowling when the show was over, I'd be going keggling. I probably would too, because I, I always like to have a beer. I'm not. Exactly, there you go. There I'm you. not the biggest beer drinker when I bowl, but afterwards, yeah, you'll find me over there at least Good having job. a bar. Good job out of you. All right, how we do out in Reno? How how did it go <laughs> before we get to the uh, less important stuff? How did it go out in Reno? It was going great till I had to get up and i'm not even gonna make an excuse for it i i bowled terrible in the doubles portion of the event and uh -oh. and, I, and i rebound with the strong singles so i had three 500 series out of four out there which isn't bad considering you're bowling on a pro shot but when you're bowling with kyle troop liz johnson you know the best in the world i don't know if you you guys heard of them or not. kyle troops the guy with the fro by the way i don't know if you guys know seen him but they're they're good. I mean, there's a reason why it's like going up against Jalen Hurts in football. They're they're good for a reason. All right, the All right. So you, you were out there with the best Johnson. of the best, huh? Best of the best were there this week. Wow. I mean, I mean, it's a four month tournament, but this just happens to be the PBA off season or their summer break, and a lot of them go out there. It was cool to see them though. You know, we're in the Silver Legacy Casino, and you could just go up there and talk to them. You know, ask them how they did and. They're all very polite for, you know, that they couldn't give us the time of day if they wanted to, but they stopped and, you know, were able to talk with us. Uh, Jacob Butruff, uh, Butruff, sorry, I always say his last name wrong. He He's a powerful left-hander. He bowled in a Bowler's Journal tournament with us. It's like a side tournament, and he shot 700. I said, hey, if I ever shoot 700 in this, I might quit. Ooh. Yeah, so no. no Ernie McCrackens who are trying to run you <laughs> off the road or put your... Uh, <laughs> no no Ernie McCrackens in this uh -huh. tournament, although All right. All I will right. say the intros for us when we walk into the National Bowling Center, again, it, that's like walking in, you know, Jerry World, essentially. It, it was goofy. They played that This Is How Legends Are Made song. I'm like, there are no legends being made here tonight. I promise mm -hmm. you that. L little overkill, huh? Uh, was there, and I promise we'll get to football in a second, were there any incidents with the best of the best hanging out there and uh, at least within your inner circle, you're acknowledging and understanding what they've achieved in their career? Did Britney Spears show up to try and talk to any of them? Or no, were, there, were there any celebrities that were trying to hobnob with bowling celebrities that you caught uh, a view of and said, damn, this really is a big deal because this person... Taylor Swift didn't show up is the question I guess I'm getting to. She wasn't there to hobnob with uh, your crew. The Beach Boys were there. Does that count? No. Yeah. They sure played counts. Saturday night. They they were yeah, at the Silver Legacy Casino. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah, that's nice. The that's Beach pretty Boys. Pretty impressive. Yeah, I'd Man. rather see Britney, but you know. Oh, I'd rather see Britney too, but just yeah. she ain't showing up and getting slapped in the face. I'm no. sitting that's home watching time. the Major League Baseball draft. Curry's out uh, watching the Beach Boys. You now, what are, what is the difference? I promise this is my last one. But what is the difference between what did you call it? A pro shop and a pro, uh, a pro shop. If I go two miles to my to down the street, I can go to my local bowling alley. What is what is the difference between the the pro track and the and the track that I'm going to? So basically, a house shot is how it sounds like the they'll use like a combination of, it's like a light oil pattern so you can get the ball to hook easier it's it's honestly to get people to the lanes and to score and yeah. i mean I, I average about 210 215 on that type of shot but on a shot what the pros do which is a lot more complicated i'm only averaging about 170 on there so it's it's a big difference and people just don't like scoring on that it's basically like golfing on a basic golf course that isn't hard and then you all of a sudden, you know, you're going to Pebble Beach for the U.S. Open. Okay. Yeah, a little, little bit of a difference there, and more power to you, Jay Curse. Stick with what works for you. Keep shopping those 200s. All right, scoring. Who's going to be doing the scoring for the Eagles this year? I asked this question to Tommy Lawler when we had him on last hour. I've asked every guest for the last couple of weeks. How is the carries? How is the touches? How is the workload going to break out between the Eagles' backs this year? You want to take a uh, guess at uh, how uh, Sirianni and Johnson are going to spread the ball around to the running backs this year? They got talent there. The question is, how are they going to use them? If Rashad Penny doesn't get injured, and this is a big if here, I think this would be the guy they want to get the most carries at running back. I I think that would be the guy that they want. But if he gets injured, then it gets more complicated. Because then, do you want to use... DeAndre Swift as your main ball carrier? Do you want to be a pass-catching back? Or do you go with Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell? Maybe Trey Sermon finds his way into that mix. Uh, but if all goes according to plan, I think it's Rashad Penny will get the lion's share of the carries. Um, so I've been saying this, and uh, I'll throw it by you, Jeb. If Rashad Penny doesn't get the lion's share of carries, in other words, if they go through the summer, they go through the joint practices, they say, hey, DeAndre Swift's our guy. Um, is Rashad Penny even here? In other words, can he go to the Anthony Harris degree of being the number one safety one day and off the roster the next if he doesn't beat out DeAndre Swift? Doesn't it feel like he's the guy that he's either going to make the team start, play a lot, or he gets cut. Yeah. It it does feel like that. And I think Penny could be a very good number two running back, but I don't think that's what you brought him here for. I think you brought him here for the guy who's averaging 6.1 yards per carry over the last two years. And has been one of the most efficient running backs in football when he's healthy. But I don't think, and again, this is what day are we on July 10th? I, 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 if you ask me, right now who's the number one running back on the Eagles and if DeAndre Swift could beat out Rashad Penny I'm gonna say no but that's why we have training candidates I I also thought Anthony Harris is gonna and Jaquaski Tart were gonna be the safeties on July yeah we all did well not all of it after I saw Jaquaski for two (laughs) weeks I 
I, I, I remember I standing next to you at training camp and you just shook your head at Jaglowski <laughs> Tart. I'm like, I kind of put where, where I stood on Jaglowski Tart after yeah. that. All right, let me uh, run this by you, Jeff Kirk, because I've run it by Johnny Mac. He dismissed me. I ran it by my partner, Glenn McNaught and WIP over the weekend. He dismissed me. I ran it by Brian Baldinger last night. He was not quite as dismissive as my two partners, but he said, yeah, Jody, I don't think that's happening. Eagles running back includes load management this year that on any given week, Swift and or Penny could be inactive. Last year was real easy for John. He didn't even have to get the inactive list. Trey Sermon was on it. He knew it every single week. He was on the roster, but he was inactive every single week. Won't be the same this year. It'll be rotating guys that are inactive because they're giving running backs week off to try and preserve them, to try and keep them from getting hurt. They added two guys who never played full 17-week seasons in Swift and Penny that there will be load management to the Eagles back. If any team in the league's going to do it, two reasons it'll be the Eagles. Number one, they subscribe to less is more. And number two, Howie Roseman likes to zig when other people are zagging. No one has done load management in the NFL just yet. Philadelphia Eagles do it with the running backs this year. Are you with me, Jeff Kerr? Yeah, they'll rest them in week 18 when they have everything clinched. Okay, so you're you're not. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not going for that. Just nah. waiting to see this happens when when Nick Sirianni actually is forced to use the word load management during this year. Uh, I'll just remember all you guys who left. Well, the Eagles. Idea. I think it was uh, Ed. Ed pointed out Ed Kratz to his credit. He the Eagles do their load management during the week. I could see yeah, Rashad. Yeah, I, I could see with I could see Rashad Penny being in the veteran maintenance club very very early in the process if he is the lead back on this team. So I could see that that maintenance going on during the week, but once it's game time, I don't I don't think I get Jody's theory from Howie Roseman's perspective. But I don't think Howie would force that on Nick Sirianni. And I think if he did, that would be the first creating ripple of issues. Because Nick Sirianni, look, he's full of you-know-what when he says every game is the same. But that's part of his ethos, and that's part of his getting people on the right page and the right framework and the right mindset. So if you're you're signaling – Oh, we don't need Penny this week because you stink. Ah, that that is that would not go go well with with not because not because you stink because it's his that's turn. The way to spin. We, He's played three weeks in a row. He needs a load management week off. We playing baseball here, Jody Mack. You know yeah. the the, the aforementioned day off. Yeah, I have an answer for that. I know baseball is 162 games. I know NBA and the NHL is 61 games apiece. 17 NFL games is more detrimental to one's body than 162 baseball games, 82 NBA games, or 82 NHL games. It's a different animal. I know mass numbers, how many games played. You play, and I didn't play uh, football on any level, but I guarantee you, you talk to the guys who played it all in high school. What did you feel worse after a basketball game, a baseball game, or a football game? Every single one of them is going to say football 10 to 1. 
more pain to the body, more work on the body. That's why if load management is necessary in basketball, I'm sure it's out telling you it's necessary. I, I will back you up on this, Jody Mac. So I have talked to, I won't mention his name, but he's a former NFL running back, and he played in the 90s. And he said there's no worse pain than getting a football and right away getting hit. I, I, well, he said do it 20, point. 25 times a game, and you really start feeling it the next day. Well, well, yeah. I mean, and there are fans who think they can take NFL hits. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I know I can, uh, and I, I yeah. used to do the hitting back in the day. I, yeah. I know I can. I, I'm a short Monday but, after a high school game. But here's where I'll say, and 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 Jody, I hear what you're saying. It's uh, designated, but when you get into that 17 game mindset, and you need a win. It, you're going to sit somebody because it's their designated sitting time. Now, maybe if they're the exact same, but you're if you want, you got to beat the Dallas Cowboys and Rashad Penny's your best running back, but that's the day he's supposed to sit. You're going to tell Nick Sirianni to sit him. I I get that, but you're telling Nick Sirianni to sit Lane Johnson in practice that week. So well, practice is Brian, different. Yeah, practice, practice is different. Even I mean, sat Brian Westbrook. I swear he never practiced in a couple of his prime years. Uh, you know, they always said it was like a knee injury or an ankle injury, but I remember 18 year old Jeff being like, do I buy that? Or, you know, cause he's going to play Sunday and he plays something. Yeah. The reason, the reason why they do that load management during the week is so they can play at all costs. Like I don't care if Lane Johnson practices at all, but he's got to be there for the game. He's got to be there for the game. Jason Kelsey, Got to be there for the game. It's all about being ready for the game. They can do it during the week, but he's got to be ready for the game if he's the guy. And, you know, that's just the way it is. I don't think that part's changing. I think the Eagles may be cutting edge in the National Football League and be the first team to actually go down that road. We'll see. I, I'm probably going to be wrong, but I'm sticking to my uh, outside-the-box theory because the Eagles do like to be outside the box and would not be surprised if that were the case uh, this upcoming season. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a prime example if you need one. Uh, week five, they're playing the – or excuse me. L.A. Rams. L.A. Rams. Um, so let's even go further than that. Uh, yeah, the Rams, we don't think the Rams are going to be very good. The next week they got the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. They're 4-0. and You don't think they'd be afraid to, to give Rashad Penny a week off? He's, he's played well the first three games. You got him through the first four, no injuries. Week five, yeah, go ahead, Rashad, take the week off. Because we think uh, the run that we're going to get on, Jets, Miami, Washington, and the rest is, we're going to need you more than we're going to need you to this week well, against the Rams. Jody, there's a... There's a way you could do your load management theory without actually making these guys inactive. Say you build an early lead on them and Rashad Benny is. All right. So then I'll ask, the I'll ask both you guys. Um, last year, as we just mentioned, three running backs, basically active every single week. When Sermon got active, the one game where he actually got a couple of carries, was somebody hurt, John? The Jacksonville game, right? Jacksonville game, yeah. I'd have to look it up. Hold on. I'm trying to remember that game now because that was a rainy day. <laughs> it's hard to remember a lot of things of getting really Yeah, bad. somebody had to be banked up because why uh, would he be active? Right. But I, I was banking on, on somebody being injured. 
let's see. Who are, who are, who's gonna who's gonna sit this year for the Eagles? If you're going Penny and Swift to basically replace Miles Sanders, Gainwell and Boston Scott still here. We'll put Sermon on the side, although we continue to note the coach likes him a lot. Let's say he's not in the mix. If they're only going to activate three backs every single week and Boston's got a little bit of a leg up because he's returning kicks, even though that's less important than it's ever been, who's going to sit? How are they going to determine who's going to sit? If it's not load management, how do you make that call this week? Or do you actually think they'll play four backs active uh, when none of them really are special team guys other than Boston on kickoff returns? Well, Boston helps on kickoff, so it, it helps. That's what I was talking about with Penny. Um, they could dress four, but here's here's the problem. And They could dress four, but they're going to take 11 defensive linemen and 10 offensive no, linemen. Not, not Who the hell going to play specials? Not on game day. I'm saying they might keep 11 defensive linemen to keep them on the roster, but a bunch of those guys are going to be inactive. Bunch of all, but the the last two offensive linemen are going to be inactive. Um, that's just the way it is every week. Um, and and but here's the thing about Rashad Penny, it, 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 they paid him six hundred grand. All right, it, guaranteed it, it, him six hundred grand. They yeah, paid him more than that, but he's got guaranteed 600, him six hundred grand. Right. They're gonna. It's going to be the opposite with Rashad Penny. If he if he's the lead back. They're going to run him to the wheels fall off because, and people don't like that terminology and they don't want to, they're still an ugly side of the NFL. There is no way, no way Rashad Penny's going to be here in 2024. None. Either he's going to play to a degree where the Eagles aren't going to be in the mix and he's going to be a superstar and they're not going to pay the position or he's going to play poorly and they're not going to want him. Right. They're going to run him until the wheels fall off if he makes the team and he's the lead back. The Cowboys did that with DeMarco Murray his last year. I I think they they made the decision long before he had the 1,800-yard year. He wasn't coming back. So we're going to run him to the ground. And they did before they paid Zeke. Now they made the mistake by paying Zeke. But Jerry Jones had the right philosophy there. We're going to run this guy and just run him, run him, run him. It's ugly, but that's what they're going to do. That's yeah. what they're going to do. And they're do. smart by doing that. He ain't going to be on this team after this year. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. Let's say first three games, DeAndre Swift shows that he is the best back the Eagles have. They're going to run him into the ground too? Maybe. Free agent, right? Yeah, maybe. Because they don't want to pay the position. They want to They want to. All right. So so if three, we get three games in, Kenny Gainwell – who had that monster game against the Giants in the playoffs. And people continue to say, oh, he was great in the playoffs. No, he's great in one game in the playoffs. The other two games, he was nothing special. He might have been better than Miles Sanders, who didn't have a very good playoff run, but people overstate what Kenny Gainwell did in the playoffs. By the way, look at Miles. In In hindsight, they weren't bringing Miles back. They gave him a career, whatever the carry number was, 1,269 yards. Mm-hmm. Granted, he can't catch the football. They kind of did the same thing with Miles. Six and a half million. Hey, tip of the cap. Thanks, Miles. Let's move on. Same thing's going to happen, whether it's Penny, Swift. You know, if, if Swift comes back, that might be a bad sign. Because that means he didn't perform that well. 
So it's kind of a catch-22. You yeah. want him to perform well, but if he performs well, he's out the door. I don't know what to tell you. They don't value the position. I, I have a feeling the Eagles 2024 running back is going to be somebody they draft. Or like Very a possible. Pen- or a Rashad Penny type signing. Like you, They'll find some guy in there that had a really good year with a team. If you're a bad team or a team that you know, just kind of underperformed and let the running back walk. It's I, I was on the Panthers, uh, when the Pan, the Panthers flagship station today, and we were talking about Miles Sanders, and they feel they got great value for Miles Sanders and what he could do for that offense. They're like, and they said the same thing you did, John. Can't catch, but he can run. Yeah. And Miles was the highest paid running back signed this offseason. Yep. It yep. wasn't, it well, wasn't a, probably not a, a deal that he wanted, uh, but. Uh, well, the and, franchise guys got more, but the, the truly they haven't signed un, yet. <laughs> the truly unbettered, but they're guaranteed more. But the truly unbettered back that got the most money was Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, yep. Yeah. So, it's probably less than what I was told his market value was going to be. A lot of people thought it was eight, going to be eight to nine million, and he ended up getting six and a half. And apparently, yeah, if you would have given me that six and a half number, I said, yeah, the Eagles will bring him back. No, nope. and they still had no that interest. Too. And they said Miles was more than happy with the deal he got with Carolina. Yeah. Good on good on Miles. And uh, I won't root against him this year. The Eagles don't play Carolina, so it doesn't much matter. Uh, I I was a Miles Sanders fan when he was here. All right, Jeff, uh, let me get this last question in for you. John and I have kicked this around, haven't touched on it in about a week or so. Who is going to be the backup Eagles nickel cornerback? Ooh, this is a good one. So we're assuming Avante Maddox is starting. Right. Um, but we all also a, assume a, at some point Avante well, Maddox yeah. is going to get hurt. Because he we usually give, does. Are we giving up on uh, Zach McPherson? or Because or, no. now they're, it seems like they're finally putting him where he should be playing. Yeah. No, I think he's the guy. Yeah, I think he's the backup nickel. Uh, a lot of it depends on... You assume they have enough bodies now outside with Kalei Ringo. And again, Mike Daly, he'll sign. Please don't worry about it. He'll sign before training camp. I, I told someone now, someone asked me that yeah. on Twitter last week, said, hey, Jeff, I know you're on vacation, but is Kalei yeah. Ringo going to sign? I'm like, yeah, he'll sign. Don't worry about yeah. it. Um, between him and Greedy Williams and Josh Job, um, they will find somebody who can handle – the backup outside corner position, which will enable them to let Zach um, focus on the slot. And I think they improved themselves that way. They got some serious depth at cornerback. Yeah. They got a lot of bodies. A lot of bodies. A lot of, you know, but hey, as everybody, as excited as everyone is for Ringo, he 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 was drafted where he's drafted. Yeah. He's 21 years old. He can run, but he's very raw. Greedy Williams, big name, second round pick. Cleveland got rid of him for a reason. It's entirely conceivable that Zach is their best outside corner and inside corner as a backup. Still, which but they would prefer that Ringo be ready or Greedy Williams or somebody else. Maybe you, you even don't Josh think, Job. You don't think one of uh, Ringo or Ricks or Job is going to step up and be the guy who's the number one backup outside corner? 
I, I think there's a chance that it's Ringo, um, but he's very young. He's very raw. I don't think there's a chance. I think Job has a good shot to make this team regardless because of special teams. Yeah, Josh Job's going to be here. Uh, Makai Gardner's another guy. He's he had a good camp. He had a good camp. Um, he's from LSU. So they have, you would think they have, they have so many dart throws that you would think one of the darts comes close to the bullseye at outside corner. But by the way, John, I know the Eagles coaching staff kind of got on him, Makai Gardner for that interception and the little excessive celebration he did. But I kind of like that out of an undrafted guy, you know, it's saying, Hey, look, I'm here. Like I'm not going anywhere. And, I, sometimes yeah. I feel like you have to show your emotions when you're beating the best of the best. Yeah, he's an undrafted kid who just intercepted the runner-up for MVP. Let him have some fun. Yeah, like yeah, he's not going to get a 15-yard penalty for that. No, yeah. let him have some fun. Yeah, doubting it highly. All right, Kerr, uh, what what can we expect out of you on CBSSports.com over the next two weeks? Get it when camps open up. Shoot, a couple of camps open up next week on the 18th. Um, uh, what what can we be looking for you and your crew over at CBSSports.com as we get ready for camps to open up? So before I go on vacation, I'll be writing about an overvalued player on every NFC team. Last week I did undervalue before I went on for, on my bowling trip. Um, we'll who's, the, who's the most overvalued Eagle player? I, I didn't do overvalued. Yeah, I did undervalued. Okay. Undervalued, I actually did Josh Sweat. Well, you can tip your hand here. You're going to do everybody on every team next week. You're going to at least tell us who you're going to have as the Eagle guy here on I, Bird Street. I, I'll tell you what, to be honest, that's going to be one of the hardest ones because it's hard to find. Uh, overvalued. I got to do it real quick. Who is the most overvalued? That's a good question. It is a good question. It is. Um, like, who is it? I think the Eagles are a little bit weird because I think some of the younger players are overvalued by the fan base, but it depends on your definition. Yeah. Like are, I can't count I used to on go by, I used to go by the contract and performance, but who would that be? Like I'm not counting on Reed Blankenship. Everybody's like penciling in Reed <laughs> Blankenship. Uh, I'm not counting on Reed Blankenship. I can't count on N'Kobe Dean. I have optimism, but I can't count on him. Nicholas Morrow. So, I ain't counting on him either. No. Um, so I think it depends on your definition. Um, but I'll yeah, I mean, they have, a lot, of good, they have a lot of good players. They have a lot of good players. Yeah. And so I'm just using so I usually the... go by the contract too. So it might be Fletcher Cox, but then again, that's a going rate for a defensive tackle. What he got? Yeah. He got 10 million. I mean, that's a bargain now. Yeah. You could have said that two years ago when he had the monster contract, but now Veteran defensive tackle, $10 million. That's pretty good. I, I, I mean, give you the guy I, I think it is, and just using John and Ed's top 25 Eagles rankings and where I had uh, the guy ranked, they had Slay ranked higher than I did. They had Slay in the top 10. I do not. I have him outside the top 10 for the uh, Eagles for this upcoming year, and his is still a contract guy, even though they renegotiated it. Uh, they did it to bring the cap number down this year. He's still getting paid some pretty good money. I think at age 32, we might see some regression from uh, Darius Slay. He, he could be their That's most possible. I mean, player. a lot of people are looking at his second half as opposed to his first half and saying he's 32, but uh, it's going to happen eventually. Um, you know, so Bletch, yeah, I guess Bletch and Slay would be because of the age. 
would be the two guys. Age and money, as Jeff Carr said. Yeah. That's that's the way you should but do no, that. I, I know this is really a reach here, but he's under consideration. Marcus Mariota, I know they pay for backup quarterbacks, but paying him a lot of money. Yeah. Boy, his his deep passing numbers were just dreadful. Awful. Um, I don't think he could throw the ball more than 10 yards down the I think field we saw that in Ken- I, I remember someone put it was I, I think it was a pass to Omalade Sakias, and someone said, Boy, that's a terrible pass by Mario. I'm like, that wasn't Mario, that was Tanner McKee threw it. And and they'll be able to rekindle their relationship here in Philadelphia this year. JK, always a pleasure, bud. Appreciate you hopping on board. Uh, we'll be looking for your stuff on cbssports.com. Getting ready for the season. We'll get you back here on Birds 365 quick enough. Thanks, bud. Yeah, sounds great. By the way, I'll also promote this. I got to write five NFC quarterbacks under the most pressure in 2023. And I have a feeling Dak Prescott's going to be number one. And, uh, NFC no. quarterbacks, you said? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Dak will probably be at the top of the list. Uh, JK, thanks. Yeah, sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Chef. Jeff Carr, CBS Sports, here with us on uh, Birds 365. All right, got to come back. Got to put a bow on the show. Mac and Mac wrapping up a Birds 365. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods in Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at Drytech. 
At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Mag and Mac guys, wrapping it up here on Birds 365. Now this will tick off Eagle fans. Another day, checked off. The Jalen Carter didn't get himself no, in trouble. Man, and taking them off, them. man. Taking them off, Jeff. Getting closer to him being back in Philadelphia, hanging with his guys, staying out of trouble. Yeah, I, I back again to what we started the show with when I asked Johnny Mac if he was superstitious or not. I'm not superstitious. I'm not worried about mentioning it here on Birds 365 that now you know he's going to go out and do some drag racing tonight, Jody, right? It's all your fault. I'm not going to play it. I'm just noting that it's another day that the Eagles got the most talented player in the draft at number nine because he had some off-field issues. None of them have reared their ugly heads yet so far this offseason. All right, we got a good one coming tomorrow. Johnny Mac, you booked a couple of good guests for us tomorrow. Uh, let the people know who we got joining. Uh, well, Ray Diddy's going to be here, so that's number one. Everyone knows uh, Ray Dinger, Hall of Fame, uh, obviously, writer and columnist, long time. He's going to stop by. Also, Bob Angelo, I think he's going to be interesting. Uh, worked for NFL Films for years, 21 Emmy Awards. Uh, Bob Angelo has won in his career. He's got a new book coming up, uh, The NFL Off-Camera, an A to Z guide to the league's most memorable players and personalities. The reason it's interesting, I always talk to those NFL Films guys, even people like me who get access to the players and coaches everything's filtered to a certain degree even you know off the record stuff is filtered because they know we're, why we're there they know why we're there or bob's on the sidelines just capturing these raw moments of, of these great players in in big games and big situations they're they're the only people that see it completely unfiltered mm -hmm. on 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 the actual field. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really good guest. I think people are going to really enjoy it. And I've heard Bob's name. I I've never met him, uh, but I've heard him mentioned by uh, guys I know who worked at or worked with NFL Films. I'm really looking forward to shooting a breeze with him tomorrow. All right, so you and me back here in. 22 hours. You in, McMullen? Let's do it. You better show up because you booked the two guests. So uh, <laughs> Johnny Mac will be here. Johnny Mac will be here. Ray Diddy and uh, a special guest, Bob Angelo from NFL Films with a new book out. That sounds like a good show tomorrow. You should be here too. Tomorrow, Birds 365 in, two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, 
We're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.